Hello and welcome to an interesting choice on the Hat on Dog Network. Each month, your intrepid hosts Martin and John review weird, terrible or just plain interesting albums. Featuring special guest comedians, musicians and civilians, this podcast dissects and inspects a whole bunch of curious production choices. These discussions are presented here without comment. Bar one, hmm, interesting choice. Today we are joined by experimental slash awesome musician Richard Youngs to discuss his love of Pink Floyd, in particular the album Omagoma. That was kind of fun to say, we'll say it again, Omagoma. Here's something even more fun to say. On with the show. Welcome to today's episode. And today, of course, we have another guest, Mr. Richard Youngs. Hello. Richard, thank you very much for coming on the show. Pleasure. Today's episode, of course, is Pink Floyd on a gummer. And this is your own suggestion. Um, could you perhaps illuminate us a little bit on your background with this album? Like, where did you first hear it? Why did you maybe suggest it? I'm going to come clean. Um, we like our guests being clean. <laughs> yeah. Pink Floyd. I, I have an irrational love of Pink Floyd. Um, it dates back to um, when I was seven or eight years old, I went round to friends and they had the first two Pink Floyd singles. He was in some way distantly related to Sid Barrett and they had the first two Pink Floyd singles. And um, this was the first music I'd heard outside of my parents' tastes and it blew my mind. Mm. Um, the middle section of See Emily Play with the solo was... At the time I could hear no tune in it. Yeah. And this was quite different from what music had been up to that point and um yeah i i i know the pink floyd back catalogue intimately Mm. my favorite period is the period just after sid barrett left through to just before dark side of the moon Mm. which was a period in which strikes me there were just four guys making music they had no message they possibly didn't even know what they were doing. They seemed quite yeah. lost in a way. Mm. Um, and there's a charm to that. And Amagoma falls pretty much near the beginning of this phase. By the time you get to the wall, which I, I can't even I go there. I think very, very... I, I've actually wanted to do it on this show because I think it's massively overrated. I remember the wall coming out um, and they played the entirety of it on the Friday Rock show. Um, and I remember them playing the entirety of the wall and I just could not believe how unengaging I found it and it was possibly the first record I came across which I could really find no redeeming features in Mm. I felt it was that bad and for this band that I felt I had an intimate connection with Mm. to go to that was um well it was was disillusioning um so yeah I, I have this bizarre love of all things Pink Floyd even mm. stuff that came after my favourite period in many yeah. ways and I, I should should say I'm, I'm from, I was born in Cambridge and I grew up just outside Cambridge and people from Cambridge are legally required yeah to and, and um, there's something about Pink Floyd which is very much of that mm-hmm. space that, that place um, they, they, they aren't uh, very in a, in a period that I like, they're not a histrionic band. There are touches of it, maybe you know the scream in "Careful with mm. the Axe, Eugene," which is, again, there's a live version on Amagama, but they're, they're very um, level. There aren't any major events in the music. Mm. I don't feel no. not, not not the bits I like anyway, and um, I think that's very much of the place they come from. Yeah, yeah. and and also on um, Amagama. I mean, I'm just mm. 
beefing up why I've chosen this is there's the track Grantchester Meadows which is a Roger Waters track and it it Mm. is um, a track which he plays all the instruments on and and wrote it and yet it is in many ways an archetypal Pink Floyd song Mm. and is about a place outside Cambridge Mm. um, Grantchester Meadows obviously yeah yeah Um, but perhaps slightly less like I don't even want to just use political as the go-to thing for Roger Waters, but mm-hmm. like it's a seven-minute sort of wandering song, which is not quite what Roger Waters went on to do. And exactly, yes. Proceeding albums. Martin, what about yourself? Um, like, obviously you've heard of the band Pink Floyd. Wait, who? <laughs> um, yeah, I was familiar with them in high school and really got into the period just after Sid left, so... Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and that was around the time where I was playing guitar, and I think I can still pretty much play the Wish You Were Here album, Note For No on guitar. Um, and we're going to test you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That was all a lie. Um, I don't particularly like Wish You Were Here, I must say. Mm. I find it very difficult to listen to. It, it seems rather... Um, Poppy? No, no. I like um, the title track Ponderous. I, I do like the guitar... Mm. Figure that starts it off. Yeah, that is yeah. that is. That's and I also, very also like, Yes, yes, it is. Which is one of my favourite Pink Floyd tracks. Mm. Um, and and the the title song is a lovely song. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm interrupting. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Just thoughts about. Yeah, wish you were here. So I'd really only heard a couple of those albums and more popular singles, and then I think I did eventually delve back and try and get all the early albums like uh, Piper of the Gates of Dawn. But Which never is a great really, record, but I never really a very got different. Yeah, it's a very different hmm. beast from yeah. what they then became once Sid Barrett left. And in fact, if if I was you know being pushed, what's my favourite Sid Barrett? Which you are being pushed. Yeah, all right, push me, push me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's yeah. your favourite Sid Barrett? Madcap Laughs. I think it's a wonderful record. I, I much prefer it to the Piper Gates of Dawn. Oh, yeah, okay. It's one of my favourite records. It, oh, it's uh, stunning songs, beautifully delivered, very sloppily recorded, but that's their joy. Hmm. So your Martin, your background was firmly in like the best known ones. Yeah, the ones that were like, here's a song, like the mm. Dave Gil, a lot of the Dave Gilmore yeah. stuff. And when I tried to get into the experimental stuff, I couldn't really get into it. Um, and I haven't really delved back since. So this was mm. the first time I've been like, oh yeah, Pink Floyd mm. are a very experimental band. Mm. So it was interesting mm. to listen to mm. this there's, one. I think there's a lot of people like, because Pink Floyd are really well known, which is a strange notion because... Mm. They've got like five or six different like bands they were at different points. Mm-hmm. Like even after Roger Waters left, they were still a band mm-hmm. technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and before like David Gilmore over there, they were a band. Um, I think they're well known as just being like a stoner band as well. Like in high school, that was all of our friends were all, all of our friends. <laughs> yeah, that, that per- person we know. All yeah, of our friends. All of our friends. Um, uh, would just sit and listen to Pink Floyd records on a roof and then just get high. Mm. Why is that? I don't know why they've been so associated with it. The light shows, I guess, lasers and... I think because they have songs that talk about life in general, people can't deal with life if they don't have drugs involved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think Um, so. They can't cope otherwise. Yeah. It's also kind of interesting that this album is like a live slash like studio album. Programmatically, Amagummer is a mess. It's it's completely incoherent. Mm. I mean, it's a it's a double album of two very different records, and the second record is split into four very different yeah. qu- quarters, um, which really don't hang together. No, and a lot of the bits in the second record 
aren't particularly good. Mm. It's very hit or miss on even on like so the the well known thing about it is like each individual member took a mm. side of it. Mm. Yeah, my understanding of Amagon was that um, on the Roger Waters quarter, only Roger Waters is yeah. present. On the Dave Gilmore quarter, only Dave Gilmore. Mm. So they they none of them guested on each other's sections. No, yeah. so they are solo quarter yeah, records, completely isolated yeah. quarters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently because Richard Wright said he wanted to do serious music. Really Which now. is a kind of bizarre like argument for it. <laughs> like up to this point they've just been having fun and yeah, the keyboard player is like, guys, let's get serious about this <laughs> yeah. and not be a band. Yeah. yeah. Um you could you could say it's it's, it's so ridiculous that mm. clearly Well let's uh, yeah. We could perhaps um, start talking a little bit about like um, the studio al- studio album mm. tracks, like because we talk about like stu- serious music on this, and it opens with the most serious sounding songs. It's Very like portentous, isn't it? It's the first track. Well, the first part of the first track sounds almost like a slave ship or something. And, and the title, Sisyphus. I mean, Sisyphus. That's a big title, yeah. isn't it? It's I, I just picture like an entry of like a villain in a Mad Max film is just so ominous and bombastic. On a budget. Yes, yeah. on a yeah. budget. Yeah. <laughs> Can we listen to a bit of that, actually? Yeah, yeah. Just people rowing a boat getting wet <laughs> to this. Apparently, after beginning like work after Richard Wright had said he wants to be serious about it, he immediately regretted that decision when he realised he had to do all the parts on it. That's why like his contributions just have strings on them. It's Mellotron, my family. Mellotron, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's doing good drumming. I've not even thought of this up to this point. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've always kind of believed that Richard Wright is the most important member of Pink Floyd's because like every band has a guitarist or a drummer and mm-hmm. the drumming is great guitar is great but the unique sound for me has always been like the the mellotron and mm-hmm. like the stuff he can contribute especially on piano which is just great at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he seems very underrated in comparison to like what those like i mean david gilmore is a great guitarist mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. no disputing mm-hmm. that but he could be in any other band i think uh, yeah yeah like when you think about this band, I always just think of like Richard Wright. Mm, that's what makes them unique. That's yeah. sort of Richard Wright sound. I hear what you're saying, but you're not going to hear it. It makes a lot of sense. I think what's unique about this band is that it is four people. Though. That is and true. It's a sum of parts, mm. um, and yes, he is a, an important part. But have you ever heard Wet Dream, his solo record? All right, it was, no, it was late no. on bit disappointing oh yeah um but you know i I think that was you know maybe a stage Mm. that got to where they dave gilmore did a solo album at that time which is 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 better Mm. to my ears but um it's it's not yeah not it's not you know it's not gonna blow your mind the record Mm. isn't Um, Oh, oh one of the evidence i always try to submit for this argument is like the really like for instance, dogs. Like mm-hmm. the keyboard breakdown at that part is like quite well, simple, bit, yes. but mm-hmm. that is like the most important part in that song to me. And stuff like actually, the one of the, the very good Richard Wright bit in Dogs is the organ swell. It starts off with the um, strummy yeah. acoustic guitar. You got to be crazy, mm. and 
then there's a bit of the fade up yeah and it's got some backwards drums i believe Mm. and then and after a while Mm. and there's there's an organ swell just before that yeah yeah that that would be an illustration of your point yeah yeah and I, I don't. I, but I don't think. I don't think that, that that's that's. But no, my, my argument about yes. Pink Floyd. Mm. What I like about them at this point is that they were a just entity. Four guys. You know, yeah. There was nothing that they were saying. There was n- there was no real obvious egos. It was just they were making music, and you know, it's, it's that, what's that thing? I have nothing to say, and I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the other parts of Sisyphus because I'm, mm. I'm really going through the CD track which breaks it into like uh-huh. four parts rather mm. than the vinyl mm-hmm. now like the next part is light sort of piano but it's got a nice a nice sound to it there's a nice bit of two minutes ten let's go to that too. I've never listened to this with a stopwatch <laughs> <laughs> that's how I listen to yeah. every album yeah. otherwise I can't enjoy it <laughs> oh this the mad part yeah that sounds like a cat's on the keyboard. Well, this is on Source Full of Secrets, this... That's kind of sound, yeah. Is, yeah. But just, like, bearing in mind that quote about him regretting having to do everything... There's a lot point. of s- serious with a capital S music, which isn't dissimilar to this. No, yeah, yeah. Like, the early part of this track reminds me a bit of Max Richter's, like, piano style. It's, like, very plaintive, but tense. But then, of course, he does this, which is not like Max Richter. Um, let's let's go on to the Roger Waters side. Mm, Why not? Um, I think there's a lot to talk about in the Roger Waters bit. Because <laughs> it is a, a quarter of contrasting halves. Yes. Like, is like the two directions Roger Waters can go at that point at in that time. Point, the first half, the first Manchester half, Meadows, yeah. is, I think, sublime. The second half is awful it's it's it and and it ends with a complete insult i mean the the, the cod scottish accent it's, it's just it, it feels like blue face <laughs> is this generic uh, apparently there are lyrics and i found what he's saying but yeah. it's just insane uh-huh uh-huh and uh, apparently he does all of the little sound effects on that song, but like... Big wow, you know. We'll listen to a bit of that track then. Yeah. Um, well, There's about a three minute 20 to get can, the stopwatch out. Can I it. ask you to say the title of the so, track? So we're we doing, we doing the, the, the bad half of the Roger Waters. Well, let's do the bad half and then we'll go to the good half. Oh, yeah. Yep. So this, this part, the several species of small furry animals gathering together in a cave and grooving with a pict. Yes. Right. I do like the little chipmunk harmonies. It almost sounds quite yeah, Looney Tunes. He's extent. discovered um, speed change on the, the tape <laughs> machine, hasn't he? This is the song that inspired the chipmunks. <laughs> As a Scot, I'm insulted by this. <laughs> but apparently he's one of our fellow Scots, so we're not allowed to be insulted by this. Well, I've seen it from both sides. You know, like an English guy who's lived you know, a quarter of a century in Scotland but um, is that what we sound like to no, people in England no 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 that's what I sound like when I try and sound like you <laughs> but let's go to the perhaps better sides of this Grantchester Meadows mm-hmm. it's got a lot of stereo work involved in it especially the start like all of these little insects 
It's a nice... Um, I've always thought Pink Floyd do very good at the atmospherics of their songs. Mm-hmm. And this is a well, this nice is like going back to Cambridgeshire. Gorgeous mm-hmm. Meadows, it's a place outside Cambridgeshire. Mm-hmm. I see wind of night begun. This yeah, it's, it's quite a nice, s- like, soothing folk song. Mm. But that just kind of really stands in contrast to the rest of the album. Every single track stands in contrast to every other track. There's no coherence to it. Even the first half of like certain songs contrasts with the other half of the same song. I think the constraint of having like you having to do everything is kind of an interesting thing for all for people who've been in a band like for three albums or mm, mm-hmm. um, you know having to approach material themselves yeah. and record everything and write it. I and mean, clearly Gilmore isn't a natural ly- lyricist. I, uh, I'm not a fan, I'm not, I'm not a fan yeah. of um, anything that I've saw David Gilmore try to write in terms of lyrics. Um, but let's go on to David Gilmore's section then. I mean, this is like one of the very, very few like songs that David Gilmore has done lyrics for. He seems like "Fat Old Son" be another one. Possibly, yeah, fat. From, yes, yeah. But which is a great, great song, I think. Mm. Um, but this is quite Floydian. This track. I yeah, think. yeah. I, th- I think at least like the second half of this is my favorite. Like it starts with a very like broad blues riff um, mm. for mm. about three minutes. And then goes on to like my favourite part, part two on the narrow way. Or should we play part two? Hmm. I've got to say, I like all of the titles of the tracks on this album, but I don't really know what any of them mean. Apart from Sisyphus, I guess, is hmm. a reference, but apparently it's spelled incorrectly. Hmm. Yeah, the narrow way. I have no idea. I mean, he could it could have been, you know, straightening around for a title, and that's what came, you know. Um, Just throwing darts at anything. Exactly, yeah. I wouldn't read too much into it. It gets a bit like an alien spaceship towards the end there. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the my favourite tracks from the studio side of the album. Let's go on to the final track. Um, Nick Mason's Nick Mason, contribution. Yeah. Um it's a drummer's track. <laughs> it's certainly a drummer's track. But let's start with the like part one entrance because mm, it's got mm-hmm. like wonderful work mm. on the flute, which is apparently his wife, I believe, that contributed. Again, it, that. Again, it blows my my uh, <laughs> idea. They all, all they've lied to yeah. you for years. <laughs> that, hang on, do I ever read sleeve notes? That's it. I'm just going to look at the copy I have here. We've not really. We could talk a little bit about the cover of the fact. It's pretty that iconic. That, the back is. I think. Yes, that's yeah. the first time I've seen the back. But mm. but the front, that that effect of having yeah. the photograph inside itself. Mm, yeah. The drost effect. effect. Yeah, drost effect. Yeah. yeah. Is that the technical term? I believe. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something that kind of contains itself, mm. a small mm-hmm. version of yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the ends of the studio album. Um, do we want to talk Which about? Which is always the second. Mm. Album, really? Yeah, but we've done it yeah. first. We've done it first just to go through like the original material. Mm-hmm. So let's go to like the live album. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts with Astronomy Domini. Um, so this is all stuff that's been on other albums. This, yes, this live album. Yeah. Part, yeah. There's, well, actually, I'm not certain if careful with that. That is on, is on the um, Zabriskie Point yeah. um, soundtrack. Um, I think the reason that became 
quite well known live is probably because the scream. <laughs> it's <laughs> a bit of drama to, to yeah. please the punters, yeah. The first time I heard that song was walking around these streets at night. <laughs> I've never scream. been scared of music before. I've watched horror films and been uh-huh. scared, but but not even in the last five or ten years. I was terrified was when that started like screaming. Or, or, yeah, right. like, yeah, I was absolutely terrified. A lot of these songs are scary. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we listen to a bit of that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe at the scream. Yeah. Have you got time for it? Yeah, 2.50. Oh, it's just after a certain time. <laughs> it's very jazzy. I like this track mm. quite a lot. That's a classic Waters bass mm. octave yeah. thing. He does that he, quite a lot. He's a good lot. bassist. I like him. I like his bass work. Mm. He's credited with bass guitar whispering and screaming <laughs> on this track. <laughs> Not a sound you want to hear in Dennis <laughs> midnight. Don't tell the people where I live. Oh my, I mean, to greet. Yeah, it's like a dying fox or a ring wraith or something like that. It's horrendous. Great drumming. Nick Mason's a great, great drummer. And on Pompeii again, he drops his sticks possibly yeah, this and he, yeah, he drops one and just grabs it immediately. Grabs it and doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, that's like half of the live. Mm. Album and onto the second half of set the controls for the heart of the sun. Yeah, speaking of drumming though, like in interviews, Nick Mason said that this is his favorite song. Mm. And then when I was listening to it, it's like, yeah, no why. shit, <laughs> it's, the, it's the drummer's song. It's all drummer. Yeah. What, what were you talking about there? Uh, set the controls oh, for yeah, the heart yeah. of the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Can we listen to a bit of that? You got time? Or just, no, just was that just a recent anywhere? interview? I'm not. I think it was. Uh, tw- yeah, 2015. Wow. 2015 wow. interview. They, they're quite dismissive of this period. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The music. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Actually, I think all all of them have said they did not like this album and mm. do not think it stands up. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird because mm. like they're all individually responsible for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had so much control over it. But you can absolutely see why this is Nick Mason's favorite yeah. song. Opening with symbols. <laughs> Again, it gets referred to as like kind of space rock this and astronomy dominate. But actually, from it and a lot of songs actually on this. Is it the titles? You think? I think the titles sell it more than I mean, the it's, music. It's not Hawkwind, is it? You know. No, it's it's almost more Egyptian or Middle Eastern sound. Mm, a me. lot of these songs sound like they could be at the end of Apocalypse Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Brandel's just about to get assassinated. This and here comes that axe, Eugene. Speaking of Roger Waters' contribute contributions, apparently this is a Roger Waters song, which is yes, it is like mm. kind of unusual in comparison to like what we're getting to later, like on mm. the studio um, album. Uh, Manchester Meadows. He wasn't saying anything in this song, was he? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, I can just listen to all nine of them. Of course, then it goes on to the final track, a "Saucer Full of Secrets." Um, Apparently, this was originally wrote just to kind of fill space on like the second album. Mm. That's what they said. I think, in many ways, defines the route that they took over the next few mm. records. Yeah, um, culminating in echoes. Yeah, yeah. You know, long pieces with sections, long form clear sections. sections yeah, yeah. Um, quite um, 
abstract sections, quite um, epic sections. Yeah. Um, sections, contrasting sections. Yeah, like the ending of this song is so great to me. The studio version has got a choir in it. Yes. It's yes, truly yes. epic. Um, and this there, doing rock it, it's more like, epic yeah, moves. Yeah. But like the... Just, just the writing for like a twelve-minute song and ending so grandiose just works on every level. For yeah, me. I mean it's clearly cobbled together, but there's no yeah, better thing yeah. that. Yeah, no, that that's nothing wrong with like. And echoes was cobbled together. It yeah, appears, yeah. but it, but it, it works a treat, I think, as a yeah, as a a piece over mm-hmm. it's twenty odd minutes. Yeah. It's so odd to hear this kind of music in contrast to like the the star like bikes the Emily play where they went yes. which was like the wall yeah. and then the album arguably they released a couple of years ago um, their final Endless album River. yeah yeah mm. which I think is okay I think it's better than a lot of what they did in the 80s yeah I, mean, I was um, I, I, I rather hoped it might be the record that, I, what, that they should have made after Live in Pompeii it didn't Hmm. quite live up to that for me personally yeah but my expectations were very very low for it though um, okay that's the end of the album um, what we usually do is we rate the album uh, mm-hmm. between like love dislike or hate and then we see whether we think the band achieved what they wanted on the album or did not achieve what they wanted with the album so let's start with yourself on the latter on, on point. On the latter point, I don't think they knew what they wanted to achieve. I think they mm. wanted to put a record out, and they didn't know quite how to do it. Mm-hmm. Live album was an easy option. Yeah, and then somehow they hit on the notion of the studio concept, which didn't really work ultimately. Mm. But it was the sixties. Yeah, it was still it was still the sixties? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um So the excuse of it was the sixties <laughs> still works, but but it, it was a it was a brave record, mm. and um, I think brave records are always to be commended. Mm. Um, and I'd much rather someone make a brave record than a moderately good one. Yeah, I'd rather have a brave failure. Completely, and and, and put you when you said to me, uh, you know, choose a record. I had you know other candidates, the mm. flux of pink Indians, um, the, the, the fucking pricks, treaters like cunts, oh, the fucking that's countries right. like pricks. Yeah. Another, mm. another one I thought of was McCartney too. They're they're yeah, but both those are brave records. They they do they work? I, I, it's it's that grey area like. Amagama, does it work? Mm. I, I'm still mm. trying to figure out, which is maybe why I like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not without charm. Uh, Even the studio tracks, I don't think, are with, like, I don't think they're uniformly failures. I think there's very interesting things and some bits that really work. Mm, there's lots of great moments. Mm. I feel much warmer towards this record than I would say Wish You Were Here. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, this I is- would not agree with you on that, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love Wish You Were Here, but... Um, yeah, there are lots of great moments on this, but I don't think it really cohesively oh, sticks it, it together. Doesn't, it doesn't stick well. together at all. Mm. But I don't. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm quite a fan of things sticking together. But in are you a fan of glue? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every, everything's got to have glue. Yeah. But yeah. I'm. I'm. This is so entirely 
not sticking together that I can't help but mm. like it. Yeah. What about yourself, Martin? I'm I'm to answer the latter point first, like Richard did. I'm unsure also what they were trying to achieve with this because you could say that, yeah, it was the 60s. They were trying to just really creatively push the bounds and experiment, try lots of different things. And they did do that. So, I mean, I guess you could say they achieved on that. But in terms of making a cohesive album, I don't think they really achieved that. And there are a couple of tracks and a couple of moments in other tracks that I really like and enjoy um, and are terrified by also. Um, but I'd probably say dislike for this album on the whole. Mm. And I much prefer uh, 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 Wish You Were Here, Dark Side of the Moon, those those types of stuff um, uh, as in, compared to this. Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the moment at which they were making the record, clearly the first record, you had Sid Barrett writing the songs. The mm. second record is a bit of a hodgepodge. And there is a Barrett song on it, and yeah. you've, you've got. Um, it's one of my favourite Barrett songs, actually. It's, it's a good one. one. It's yeah. a good one, um, it, but it's a bit of a hodgepodge of a Barrett mm. song. It, um, and then you've got, you know, the, the improvised bits, and you've got songs which aren't really the greatest songs um, in the world. In the world, put on there. And after after that, it's like, what do we do? Mm. You know, they they yeah. didn't really have anything yeah i felt yeah. um they'd maybe you know been playing the polytechnic circuit i imagine that's what they played at the time yeah, yeah. and um but yeah I, I i'm not sure they had um mm. any material any idea but but they realized well what else do we do other than make a record but it's almost like they had too much material as well like the the uh, you'd say they're like they don't have a lot of ideas i think they had too many ideas and if they try to filter it down and say okay let's let's put out a live album or okay let's let's do this studio album really distill it down to nine maybe, maybe I, I should say they didn't have any focused ideas mm. Mm. I, I would yeah. also agree with that yeah, yeah. I think um, <laughs> the thing where they're all working on their own sides is the thing that kind of kills it like I don't think they achieved what they wanted on this Se With Richard Wright, serious music. Serious music. Like, uh, there's a lot of parts in this I cannot take seriously. And there's some that are so hard, working so hard to try and be serious. It's a difficult record to work. like. Mm. To actually say... I, I think I like it. I like it, like, because mm. there's some parts on, like, um, Sisyphus, which is just great piano playing. Grandchester Meadows, I think, is pretty good. There's a nice sort of funky rhythm to narrow way. The live album is great like it's great recording those are like great songs um but as an album like creatively i don't think i think the thing that kills the album is them working on their own mm. like they all have mm. these great mm. ideas if they plug all of those ideas yeah. into we're one talking song, about that earlier where they're becoming great by all joining forces into, yeah. into mm. one band and that's what's making them good but they've purposely yeah. went into different <laughs> yeah. rooms and closed the door yeah so like they're great at like being the sum of parts but right now they're not doing the summing they're just <laughs> parts <laughs> well maybe, maybe they there's need some glue guys there's, 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 there's a, there's a, isn't there something about you know where you watch wizard of oz and play dark side of the moon maybe what they need to do is just overlay all the solar parts and hey they've got the, the best pink floyd record ever yeah. <laughs> and nobody's found out yet <laughs> yeah i'll show. get to it tonight yeah, when i get back um, excellent thank you very much for being on the show uh is there anything you would like to plug when you're on 
No, I know. I'm, I'm just uh, happy to... Uh, no fans records, help. just in No general. fans records, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, always, yeah, no fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just just uh, I'm pottering along, um, doing pottery. Yeah, pottery. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oral pottery. Um, <laughs> recording occasional concert. Um, no um, major news to tell you right now. Um, watch this space. There will be more releases forthcoming. Um, Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. Interesting Choice is a production for the Hat on Dog Network. For more information, visit hatondog.com.